Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is our Tech Central Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. And I suppose it's kind of starting to wind down a little bit now. Um, in the run-up to Christmas, not so much uh, lined up. We're expecting a very, very busy January, just in case you think there's nothing going on. We're like ducks, aren't we, Niall? All you can see is calmness over the water, but you don't see the the legs flapping around underneath. Yeah, well, it's it's panic more so than anything else, really. <laughs> Thanks for giving it all away. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of very interesting stories in the news uh, this week. And I think probably Huawei is is kind of top of my mind on interesting stories. It's kind of tech-related and then just business. And we love conspiracy theories as well. Um, basically, one of the chief executives from uh, Huawei, who are with the, what is it, the third biggest phone company in the world? There, thereabouts, yep. There, thereabouts. Uh, was arrested in Canada. And then uh, Donald Trump, the American uh, leader, is going, uh, well, I can get her out. <laughs> yeah, it's then kind she's of released an interesting on bail. story. It's like, what, yep. what do you make of it all? Okay, well, this is the, the so far long and complicated story of Meng Wanzhou, uh, who holds seven passports, believe it or not. But uh, she divides her time between uh, China and Vancouver. And she is the chief financial officer of Huawei. And she is in trouble because uh, apparently Huawei have been in the 1980s, apparently did deals with a company called Skycom, which were dealing, which was dealing with Iran at the time, and probably still, um, were under um, sanctions, meaning that companies could not legitimately trade with Iran. Now, now I'm, just, I'm, I'm just double checking. We're still talking about phones and not arms. <laughs> we are not talking about arms. We we're probably not even talking about phones at the time. We were talking about components. <laughs> but uh, effectively what happened was that people were going, oh, Skycom, uh, Huawei, you've nothing to do with that company, do you? And they're like, no, totes not, no. Nothing to do with us. And of course, it had, has emerged that Skycom is, in fact, uh, some manner of subsidiary of Huawei. Uh, and people are going, oh, hang on, that's kind of illegal what you were doing there. Who was the person in charge of that? And fingers have been pointed towards Miss Wang, uh, who is now in custody, just granted bail, actually. And she uh, $7.5 million bail, mm-hmm. which is quite a lot. Um, and a raft of conditions to come with it, like she has to wear GPS and Huawei have to pay for it, which, which is interesting, seeing as they probably make GPS. Um, and uh, apparently she was granted uh, bail because she's not in fantastic health. She's had issues with cancer in the past and, and has had significant surgery. So she's she's not really considered a flight risk or anything like that. But yes, coming to save the day, inverted commas, could be uh, President Trump, uh, who, as we all know, is uh, fermenting a trade war with China, resulting in massive tariffs on Chinese goods. He is uh, American administrations in previous years have been very critical of Huawei for stealing intellectual property. Uh, and of course, over the last year or so, 
Um, Huawei have been involved in something of a spying scandal in the States. Nothing proven, Mm -hmm. just very much, this is a Chinese company selling phones in America. We all know that China doesn't like America. So well, there's listen, actually- it's, it's not only America, because I believe the Australians are very uh, conscious of, uh, of Huawei phones. And they also believe that they could be used for spying in Australia. That's very true. Yes. So you've got uh, America barring sale of Huawei phones. You've got Australia doing similar. Uh, again, nothing proven, but A, it's sort of um, a signal to Chinese companies that, you know, mm. if you mess with us, you are going to get kicked out of our market. Um, and I guess B, it's sort of a protectionist policy for um, domestic companies as well. I mean, if you remove a massive competitor from a market, you can imagine all the local companies will be going, oh, that's terrible for competition. Totally. <laughs> Completely, yeah. But yeah, then when you when you build it away from Huawei, then you're looking at Apple are involved in this because you've got all the, the, the conspiracy theories again about them stealing ideas from Apple and other people and what have you. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you've got the trade war with China. But then you've got the fact that Apple are an American company, but they make all of their products in China. <laughs> yeah, Almost. it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, if you look at uh, on one hand, you might see... Um, uh, prices of components for Apple products might go up, um, but uh, I think I think Huawei are based in Shenzhen, uh, aren't they? Where where the Apple stuff is actually made, uh, they could well be. I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's a very interesting bargaining chip. That if all of a sudden uh, this lady was to be released from prison, and guess what? There's a licensing deal between Apple and Huawei struck about um, intellectual property. And then, who knows? and then who knows? Then you might see that uh, Apple and Huawei both uh, com- self-combust and that they're no longer in business. And then Nokia suddenly return uh, to take over the world of mobile phones after they've been bought by Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who well, knows? Nokia is still, they're still around somewhere. <laughs> conspiracy theories. I absolutely love them. Love them. Now, listen, speaking of conspiracy mm. theories, uh, we're not happy at all with our friends at YouTube because they've been doing kind of, hey, the best videos of the year and left out some of the best videos of the year. Uh, not so much videos as the personalities uh, that made YouTube over the past year, which is a very dangerous thing to look at because they re- they put together their rewind video, which is sort of usually it's kind of a best of, but this year they went slightly differently. They they really engage with the creator community and went, you know, these are the people that make YouTube what it is. So you know, it's a, the their video starts off with Will Smith, which is sort of a recurring criticism of YouTube from within. That you know, why are established stars getting to be the face of YouTube when it's actually meant to be? Uh, creators that rely on the platform that should be its its main ambassadors. So you have the likes of Trevor Noah, uh, David Oliver, Will Smith uh, in these uh, in the roundup. But at the same time, you've got sort of um, you've got the likes of Markiplier showing up. Um, and, you know, it's now to me, I mean, I see it and I understand this is a new generation. These are the new broadcasters. These are the new DJs. Um, and that's fine. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily my thing, but they've got their audiences and they've got to play to them. Mm. However, uh, part of the criticism of this video is that an awful lot of the things that happened on YouTube over the year that were objectionable have just been shunted to the side. 
And it's it's this very homogenized, very inoffensive look at YouTube as a platform instead of going, OK, this happened, but this happened as well. And it's all quite controversial. Was, you you were kind of hoping for a kind of almost a reeling in the ears approach, you know, where, yep, this happened, this happened, this happened. And this sparked a debate and everybody thought this was wonderful. And um, so you had things like, you know, the Logan Paul suicide forest controversy um, the Logan Paul KSI boxing match, which had 800,000 uh, streams on YouTube, which I think they were pay-per-view as well. You also had memes like people eating, um, uh, what was it, detergent packets. Um, that sort of was <laughs> probably for the best um, thrown out, you know, that wasn't included. Um, so you had some familiar faces um, that sort of I recognised anyway, um, but you had an awful lot of stuff sort of brushed under the carpet. And I think this is a, an, a side effect of YouTube becoming more commercial that it has to be because you know, YouTube ha- hasn't made money for years. Like this year, you had the adpocalypse where a lot of um, advertisers went, you know what? These are the videos we don't want to be associated with. This is the content we don't want to be associated mm. with. Mm. And the hammer came down on an awful lot of channels that would just be talking about something as opposed to advancing a particular viewpoint. So it got to stage where if you were a political vlogger, and you were you, uh, and you were looking to monetize your videos. You could you couldn't anymore because the perception was that okay, I'm Coca Cola, for example. I want my brand to be associated with YouTube. I don't want my brand associated with these guys on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you went from a, a stage where everyone could uh, could apply to have their videos monetized to only the ones advertisers wanted a part of to be monetized. And that was seen to go against the ethos of the site and also a de facto form of censorship. So you had people with very large back catalogs that every time somebody visited and streamed, they got a little bit of money. All of a sudden, if you had a video that was deemed political, okay, that video doesn't get anything. If you talked about something a few times over the years, none of those videos get um, get money. And of course, there's the copyright thing as well, which I've no problems with and I, I doubt you do either you know if if a copyright owner sees something they object to they hmm. they have the right to stand up and go nope uh, not that video go back and re-edit it uh, I don't have a problem you, with that you, you're a very angry young man with YouTube uh, for some reason let me just <sighs> let me just throw another point of view at you for the okay. sake of it alright let's say for example that one of the senior management at uh, here at uh, Tech Central alright mm-hmm. uh, was caught for say uh, embezzling secrets from Huawei alright okay. and uh, um, was uh, found out to be taking bribe money from Donald Trump mm, yeah. <laughs> and it was a big scandal and everybody hated him or her mm. would you include that in your top 10 of the year from Tech Central uh, mm, mm, I, I guess mm, I guess not starting to see things from YouTube's point of view now yeah well I, I you know as a side note Facebook are having exactly the same problem and there was an article in The Guardian this week mm. about um, you, you remember um, Facebook had uh, made great strides in inverted commas in hiring fact checkers to uh, clamp down on oh. fake news yeah um, apparently uh, the former managing editor of Snopes I believe she was um, talked about her experience and she basically said that they were hiring journalists out of crisis management that nothing the journalists in the fact-checking department were doing uh, was being taken on board. That, you know, it's it's shop window stuff and nothing is actually happening hmm. um, to help clamp down on articles that are clearly fake news or hate speech or things advertisers shouldn't want to be 
involved with in the first place. But it's it's very hard to do. I mean, Facebook is what two two million people, two billion people now. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've there got is, a there is no Facebook, way then. that you could fact check. You need a, a, a logarithm that's going to be able to kind of sort that stuff out. And even if the logarithm is just pointing out about maybe say a quarter of a half of one percent you still wouldn't have enough human beings to be able to sift through all that. And then you're also assuming that all of those human beings will be up to date on everything that is happening everywhere and will know fake news from 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 what is not fake news because the whole point of fake news is that it looks real. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, this is a really interesting point that you raised, that fake news looks real, okay? If we go into a um, magazine shop, Right. Say we go into Eason's or something like that, uh, where they have very large magazine sections. Right. And you look at the range of stuff that's there and some of it is glossy and some of it is very nice looking. Some of them have very large paginations. And imagine this was a world magazine shop. Right. And the further you go down the list, you start seeing things that are like Xerox pamphlets mm. or fanzines that are badly put together. Okay. Right. Your little mental filter, when you apply it, sort of goes okay, I can guess the pamphlet stuff probably isn't very good or the stuff that isn't put together very well. I don't need that because I know their investment in their product is minimal or it's the product of one guy. Uh You can detect straight away what's probably not going to suit you or what is of low quality. And this this is what the algorithm is for. But it doesn't work very well. And Mm -hmm. as you said, you can make something look very good online. So something can look very convincing. Something can look like a legitimate news site, but be pumping out fake news. You don't have, you know, that immediate impression of that looks like a load of rubbish. Uh, You don't have that. And if you're not particularly digitally literate Mm. and you're not looking at the URL of something that it could be, you know, .co.ru or something like that. you're not going to apply that same level of critique. So you've got to know, but you see, then it gets back to the argument with Facebook and with Twitter and with YouTube and stuff like that, where they're kind of saying, and you know what, Air would be the same or AT&T would be the same in, in, in America. They would all just say, we're the platform, we're the content carrier, we're not the creator. Do we have to, you know, kind of monitor everything that's carried on our network? It's it's kind of okay. like, you know, Vodafone. I know I'm throwing an old argument at, at you, yeah. but it's like Vodafone saying we can't be held responsible for bank robbers who use our network to plan a robbery. Yeah, well, that is one way of looking at it. However, if you look at uh, another platform, inverted commas, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, mm-hmm. is Fox News, mm-hmm. right? It's got news in the title. Therefore, you assume it's news. However, (laughs) if you talk to its anchors, the first thing they will say is, I'm not a journalist. Right? They will say, I'm a commentator or something like that. Even though the name news is in the channel, right? Their biggest uh, draws are people that don't claim to be journalists. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they're they're commentators or they're, you know, I, I guess, broadcasters in the, the broader sense of the word. OK, well, I get but that. But what, what, what's the point? Because America is full of these things uh, uh, yeah. of my time spent in America. Listen to AM radio, 
when you're in America and listen to these talk shows in the afternoon. I mean, they're very controversial and highly, highly entertaining if you're an intelligent person, uh, mm. but also very scary to hear these opinions uh, that are being put out in the world. But the same with Fox News. But I think it will be safe to say with the intelligent community, if you like, or anybody with a bit of cop, is that Fox News is very one-sided and has an opinion of the world. And you either are with it or you're not. Yeah, but the fact that it's dressed up as news, therefore, lends it a certain credence that, you know, granted, it only appeals to, I think, the bulk of its audience is over 60. But, you know, this is an audience that votes, so it's got an outsized influence Mm. on on American politics. Um, But if it looks like a news channel and in some ways it acts like a news channel, people are going to treat it as a news channel. If Facebook looks like uh, a publisher of news, um, because it's serving you up stuff that it thinks you like and is pushing towards you. Therefore, it's acting like a, like a broadcaster that's carrying certain shows that, that it thinks you're going to like. Um, if it acts like a publisher, it should be policed as a publisher. And I think, you know, people are, it comes down to what the audience perceives. Right. I mean, we might look at certain channels or certain titles in certain ways, um, but a lot of people don't have that filter and they rely on the services they use to be that filter. Right. So if you're getting something that looks like news, but it's actually fake news, that's on Facebook now. This idea, you know, their defense that, you know, we're a platform, not a publisher. It's not holding water anymore because people are treating them as a publisher. Well, you will never, you will never get that from any com- commercial or corporate organization uh, about self-policing, which is one of the reasons why I uh, am a big fan of the EU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of government. Um, yep. I'm a big fan of, like here in Ireland, we've got the uh, the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Now, I mean, you know, there there are things that they do that would drive me absolutely insane. Um, but I would rather have them in the world than not have them in the world because at least, like, like one of the things that was not very popular when the uh, uh, Broadcasting Authority started was they put a, a, a requirement on every radio station in the country to ha- carry 20% news and current affairs. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, we we're coming out of the 80s when most stations were kind of a very music based and stuff like that. And everyone's got, oh, no, nobody wants to hear. But you know what? It's turned out to be a really, really good thing. Mm. Yeah. And it would only have happened because somebody who is, you know, kind of more publicly minded is going, this is the way it's going to be. So the EU will be the same with Facebook. They'll kind of go, well, no, you can go on about you being a platform provider and stuff like that. But you know what? You've got a responsibility and you need to stand up to it. It's good to have those people in, in, in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. Facebook, when you were talking about Facebook being a news thing, you know, that kind of scares me uh, because I would hate to think anybody thinking of Facebook as a news source. And possibly mm-hmm. the way around this is that Facebook doesn't carry any news. If it's anyway current affairs related, vump, it's automatically deleted. I'd like to I'd like to see them try that. I would love to see but that. But if you think about your own you know kind of I, I I would see things that relate to the news on Facebook, but it would mm. be people that I know that are commenting about what's happening in the news. Yeah. But I suppose then you've got people saying that I heard such of this and so on and so forth. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll listen, do you know what? It's a nightmare. And I'm glad that I am not in any position of real authority. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an idea, though. Here's a throwback. Remember when people went onto Facebook for apps? Yes. Why not make, you know, treat Facebook the same as iOS or Android? Just turn it into an app-based ecosystem 
not worry about content unless you specifically download an app to deliver it to you and solve the problem that way. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, listen, that's a, uh, that's interesting. So YouTube uh, end of the year uh, results, uh, not to our liking. Uh, somebody else now, actually, just while we're kind of thinking of bias and stuff like that with uh, mm-hmm. media, Google are in the headlines this week as well for, for almost the same thing because they're deciding what we do and what we do not get to see. Yeah, very true. Um, and this was Google's current CEO, uh, Sundar Pichai. I'm sure I pronounced his last name incorrectly, but there you go. He was in front of the Houses of Congress this week um, to talk to a, a Republican-dominated uh, panel about uh, how Google actually works, because the um, the committee was not impressed with Google's uh, results. Uh, they were saying that... Uh, Google had a liberal bias because it had a predominantly liberal workforce uh, and that they weren't getting the love, basically. So at, at which point a uh, Democratic member of the uh, of the committee, uh, uh, Ted Lieu, if you follow him on Twitter, he's, he's actually very good, very insightful. He did some Twitter searches uh, in real time and um, some of the Republican members were going, OK, OK, for example, Repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. If I do a search for that, it comes back very negative. It's like, okay, you want to take away people's health care. The results are negative. Okay, have a think about that. Right. And they went, okay, uh, a member of this committee um, has been in trouble for racism. Right. Uh, But let's just do a Google search for him. And the first article is X has been, you know, uh, called out on his racism. And they're like, but I, it takes us three or four pages to get through to a positive story about this. So they actually had to have Google explained to them that, you know, we work on algorithms, we present the results that are the most popular and the most relevant. Um, if you're not doing anything that's good or if you're not getting positive results for what you're doing, maybe it's because you're not doing positive things. Fairly straightforward logic there. How did that go down? Not well, uh, as you can imagine. (laughs) But, I mean, this is just typical of um, what's going on in the States. I mean, we saw it when Zuckerberg went in front of... um, Oh, my favourite question. How do you make money at Facebook, Mr Zuckerberg? How do you make money? (laughs) Oh, no! You know, it's like, what is wrong with these people? Like, why can't you do basic, basic homework if you're going to interrogate someone... Mm about the failings of their commercial model, about potentially the moral failings of their company, if mm. you don't know how the company works. And it was, this was a similar example. Just Republicans complaining that we're not getting, we're not getting positive vibes from Google mm. and Ted Lieu having to go, do you know what? Do good things and good things will happen, happen to you. That's how Google works. Again, it's back to uh, what I was saying about uh, Facebook. I'm, well, I suppose you could probably tweak an algorithm so that it will uh, uh, point up. Oh, I don't know. I don't know even if, even if these things are possible. because there's so many permutations and combinations when you do a Google search, okay? So you're looking for the actual information and then what did the information say? And then how many people were looking at that information? How many people commented Mm. on that information? And then that also ties in with other websites that you've seen and other searches that you've made. And Google is kind of putting all of this in and in a nanosecond is going, this is what I think you'll like. 
Yeah. And well, there's so what? many ranking signals involved. Exactly. And the, the committee seemed to think that, you know, there's a guy in a basement called Google and somebody types something in and he has a look. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you should look at this stuff. It brings me back. That's that's like the uh, uh, the uh, IT crowd. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where they said to the girl, this box is the internet, don't break it. <laughs> amazing show, amazing show, amazing show. Listen, uh, just uh, uh, one or two other things that uh, I wanted to say to you before we uh, head off for this week. I was, okay. um, yes, I was having a think. I was telling you about uh, my, my uh, Apple upgrade and stuff like that. And I was having a yes. grand old yarn and a, and a moan about it. And then I had an interesting thought. The other day, just very briefly, the background on this is I've, I've had a Mac. Uh, the actual hardware is fantastic and the software and the jobs that I need to do haven't really changed. The only thing that's changed is the Mac OS system keeps saying you need to upgrade, you need to upgrade or this won't work. And when I do, then loads of other things don't work. And now I'm at a situation where I think I must upgrade. All right. Ooh, controversial. Go on. Uh, no, no, but I have to. All right. Okay. But I was looking back at all the bits of software and uh, and, and uh, extra cards and stuff that I've pointed to the Mac. This has all happened in the last five years. So within five years, my Mac is now almost redundant. So I need to get a new one. Wow. And I'm going to invest thousands of euro into that. And guess what? It'll it'll, oh. it'll only last you another five years. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. And I am not doing anything wildly different from what I was doing five years ago. I'm still editing video. I'm still, you know, kind of manipulating images. Uh, I'm still typing documents, looking at the Internet. Nothing crazy has changed at all. You know, it does some extra little things. It does things a little bit faster. But but that was a real... I was. Just, it was only last night when I was kind of just wandering around doing the dishes or whatever. And I went, oh, yeah, I'll get that upgrade and blah, blah, blah. And that'll save me a lot of hassle. And I kind of... Hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm only going to have to upgrade in five years' time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's a little tidbit. When I when I was sort of putting together my spec for, for my mm. next laptop, uh, one of the videos I looked at was, is eight gigs of RAM enough? <laughs> Listen, uh, from from my experience with, with, with the Mac, and to be fair now, my, my Mac has served me very, very well. And there's been very little I've thrown at it that it's had a problem with. Uh, absolutely. Have a look at what you can afford and then spend maybe 10 or 20 percent extra. It will be worth it. Yeah. It yeah. will be worth it, absolutely. Listen, uh, one more thing. Seeing as we're so close to uh, to Christmas, and of course, books are always a big present at, uh, at Christmas time. Tell me quickly about this bot uh, that will help you um, by reading material for people. Yeah, uh, put in the hashtag uh, read me like a book or at message the uh, account uh, at read me like a bot. Uh, this is a bot developed by the researchers in the Adapt Centre in Trinity College Dublin. And it basically just gives you uh, book re- recommendations based on your Twitter timeline, uh, what you have been tweeting about, uh, or even your Twitter bio. Wow. Okay, that's uh, that is definitely worth checking out. Listen, we are out for of time for this week. Uh, great chatting to you always, uh, as always, Niall. Do you know what? I kind of like the end of the year when we get to actually just sit down and have a cup of coffee and just chat about what's going on instead of having big interviews with important people all the time. <laughs> um, anyways, 
less of that. Uh, we will, of course, keep you uh, up to date on all of the tech stories that are happening across Christmas and the New Year here in Ireland uh, with hourly de- updates and daily newsletters and more from our website at techcentral.ie. Or, of course, you can listen to us every week online or Fridays at 5pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Next week, I think, is going to be the, uh, the last show of the year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, so we'll have to do we, our homework and look back at, uh, at what we liked in 2018 and what we're expecting in 2019. Yeah, and pray nothing interesting happens between when we record and when this show gets released. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Release the Huawei One. There you go. <laughs> Listen, until next weekend, for myself, Dusty Rhodes of the Nine Kids, and thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.